You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another week. It is Monday, July the 26th. I'm coming to you this morning from Salford, where for the next couple of weeks I'll be commentating on the equestrian events at the Olympics and hoping that I'll call a few moments that add to the amazing gold rush this Monday morning. If you got up early, then you will have started the week buoyed, if you're supporting Team GB at any rate, with three gold medals and one silver. And there was a decidedly golden hue to Ascot on Saturday. Not just a, a huge crowd for the first time in so, so long at the wonderful race course, but also the first derby winner to annex the King George in 20 years in the shape of Adair. And I hope on this podcast last week and then repeated in the first episode of the Saturday edition over the weekend, you were able to hear William Buick's excellent preview interview where he expressed his confidence in this horse's ability. Ability that he described as endless power in his post-race interview. We reflect on that in a, a little while. We look ahead though first to Glorious Goodwood this week. And in a moment, I'll be talking to Richard Hannon, who will explain his decision to send Snow Lantern, his star filly, not to the Nassau Stakes, up to 10 furlongs, but sticking to a mile to the Sussex Stakes into the Lion's Den against Poetic Flair and Co. on Wednesday. Now, the softening ground has played a little bit of a part in that decision, as he'll explain just how soft. Well, let's check in first with the clerk of the course, Ed Arkell, because there's been flash flooding across the south of England over the last 24 hours or so, and it's hit Goodwood pretty hard. Just how hard? Yeah, morning, Nick. Um, we are soft good to soft in a few places on the round course. Um, we had 33.1 millimetres of rain yesterday. Um, so, yeah, more than, we, more than we wanted, really. More than you wanted. Uh, there were flash flood type storms expected. How has the ground taken it? How, how sort of safe is the ground, if you like? Yeah, no, the, gra- the ground's perfectly safe. I'm just taking it really really well i'm really pleased with it um there's a fantastic cover of grass on it um so no we'll be absolutely fine dry day all being well today just an isolated chance of a shower and then the rest of the week predominantly dry um all the forecasts are saying that there will be showers lightish and passing um at times during the week but none of them are prepared to say exactly when or they will say something different so um, we we'll see where we go from there so you're anticipating a gradual drying as the week goes on yes yeah that will be that will be where we look at at the moment with the forecast we've got and would you anticipate starting the meeting on anything better than you're giving out now um probably not um i think the good soft places will become a few more providing it stays dry um but i think we'd struggle to flip the ground round by tomorrow but so you got a proper soaking yesterday didn't you yeah i mean it was torrential we got 12 millimeters in one shower in about 20 minutes um so yeah it, when it came down it didn't half come down obviously you know the roads were flooded about the place not as bad as london saw it but it was uh, bad enough and just looking at the at the sprint track up the straight do you think there's there's any notable differential in the ground between far side and stand side is the going stick telling you anything 
Um, looking at the game stick reading this morning, uh, there was 0.2 difference, so the stand side was 0.2 quicker. Um, we'll be doing a reading this afternoon, and that could equally be the other way around. I, it doesn't walk particularly different, um, and 0.2 in the great scheme of things is, is fairly irrelevant. Um, so we'll see what happens as it starts to dry. Um, we're doing two readings a day this week, which um, might be interesting to see how, that, uh, how things change during the day. Ed Arkell there, so for Stradivarius, who's looking to win his fifth Goodwood Cup on Tuesday afternoon, the ground will be soft, which may not be absolutely ideal for him, even though he's got plenty of form on it. The big news is that for Wednesday's feature race of the week, the Sussex Stakes, we've got a slight surprise declaration in Snow Lantern, the filly who won the Falmer Stakes in such thrilling fashion earlier in the week. She won't be ridden by Sean Levy because Sean is suspended. I've been talking to her trainer, Richard Hannan. I began by asking him why they decided to jump this way rather than the Rothschild or the Nassau. Well, Nick, I think you know, it looks like it might be soft ground. And to me, it looked like she handled that very well at Royal Ascot. And, you know, we, the owners are very keen to have a go at the, at the biggest one of the week. And, and that's the Sussex. And I think sticking to a mile is probably quite sensible at the moment, even though I think she'll get a mile and a quarter. It's going to be a fabulous race, and so it should be for that money. Is is there a sense that you, you want to stick at a mile because she's still, like, really quite exuberant in her races? Yeah, I think, I think you know, they'll probably go quite quick. And at Newmarket, she was probably at her strongest going going over the line. Um, <clears throat> and she made up ground pretty quick late on. And I just think Goodwood probably lends itself to that sort of, a racehorse that can do that. The mile and a quarter is an unknown, and we can do that later on if necessary. But I don't think she has anything to lose. She's won a Group One, and she's going to have a go. How is she? She's in great. She's in great form. She she did a piece upside yesterday. You know, nothing more than a than a you know half speed, and she's she worked as awful as ever. <laughs> you know, she just doesn't do anything. So I, you know. I'm, I'm very sure that tells me she's in great nick. You know, confidence is high, and we're looking forward to it immensely. I hope she is. Um, but really bad luck on on Sean Levy. Whose whose fortune is his misfortune? Well, Jamie Spencer, I suppose, is the man that's been chosen. You know, he's ridden pretty much every big race in the world, and I think she'll suit him. Although he's never sat on her, I don't think she's difficult or anything like that. She she can take the pull, but. Sure, nothing that he can't handle. And what about your other runner, Chindit? He doesn't handle soft ground, so if he doesn't try out, he won't run. You know, we'll wait for something like the Jacques de Marua. And big runner for you in the two-year-old race tomorrow, the Vintage Stakes. Lucille takes on the Coventry Stakes winner, uh, Berkshire Shadow. What sort of confidence do you approach that with? I give him a very good chance, mate. I was delighted with the way he won the July Stakes, and that was a big shout to go back from seven to six. We're now going back up to seven. And he stuck on very well at a new market. I, I hope the ground's not too soft. But, you know, it looks to be the race between the two of them. Super Secret strength is in there as well. He's a 20-to-1 shot. But he's no, he's no mug, that horse. And he would, you know, he, if he likes the ground, he might have a chance of running into a place. Well, I'm joined this morning by broadcaster and writer Cornelius Lysett. Cornelius, let's start with that news that Snow Lantern goes to the Sussex States. Well, we might not have Palace Pier, but... That's added rich interest. It's terrific, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, the, the, the organisers at Goodwood, the organisers at Cat Ives sponsor all this. 
uh, were, were, were sort of uh, hoping that something along these type of lines was going to happen. And uh, yeah, it's tremendous. And there, there are those who believe that um, Snow Lantern and Alcohol Free and some of the other mile uh, three-year-old fillies are, are, are good as opposed to absolutely outstanding. Well, here's an opportunity for, for Snow Lantern or, or, or indeed um, Alcohol Free to, to uh, actually demonstrate just how good they are. And it adds an extra string to what is looking like a really intriguing uh, week at Goodwood. Uh, from the Goodwood Cup, through the Sussex Stakes, through the Nassau Stakes, and right the way through to the Stewards Cup on Saturday. Ed Arkell here, Cornelius, saying that the ground was very unlikely to be anything better than soft, with a few good to soft places to, to kick off. I mean, they could really have done without that yesterday. Yeah, though, though in a funny sort of way, in terms of the Goodwood Cup, as Stradivarius goes for this, his historic well another bit of <laughs> another bit of uh, staying history the 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 fact that um he's uh, he's won on soft ground and he's perfectly at, at home on soft ground but it gives one or two of the others a chance to really test him which um I, th- I think makes the race now if it was another procession for Stradivarius it would be brilliant and we'd stand around and we'd applaud and we'd we'd admire uh, this this wonderful horse um, but um, equally, the, f- the fact that the ground has, uh, has changed uh, puts Trushan as a, a really intriguing contender, having run so well in the, in the Northumberland plate uh, off a big weight and run very well in the Ormond Stakes at Chester, but having missed Royal Ascot. So really looking for- forward to seeing uh, Trushan. Not so good for Sir Ron Priestley, uh, clearly, which was uh, supplemented. But last year, second and third, Nea Road and Santiago. Santiago's put in some very good performance on a, a rain-softened surface. So, you know, in an ideal world, uh, and it didn't happen at Ascot on Saturday, they, it remained good to firm all day. So, you know, four flat racing in high summer, good to firm type of ground is, is I suppose, what you're really, really after. However, in terms of the Goodwood Cup, I, th- I think there are, there are plus points to be seen as well. Uh, the Goodwood Cup at the centre of what looks like a really good first day, uh, with uh, a vintage stakes that looks really intriguing and and space blues for 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 um, uh, Godolphin and, and William Buick. Actually, you know, talking of William Buick, three wins on King George Day, including the King George. Uh, then he didn't have time to really celebrate, uh, apart from um, perhaps a, a brunch with a small bee, as he went off to Pontefract to ride brunch with a big. Uh, B that did uh, that that won that in really nice style there, and he goes towards Goodwood, obviously on a, a real high and a whole lot of really interesting and intriguing rides uh, throughout the week. Well, Cornelius, that takes us nicely on to Buick's resounding triumph aboard at AR, the Derby winner at Ascot on Saturday. You were there. Something a little bit special about it. Just sort of explain from your perspective why there is a more meaningful or wider significance to at AR's victory. Great performance, obviously, um, but I think there's always an element of historic significance when it comes uh, to this particular double. What is he, the 14th horse uh, to do the double? But the, perhaps the most significant thing of all is that Galileo was 2001, and we're constantly talking about um, being up to date, uh, giving memories for, for, a, for a younger audience, if you like. And although people like me can remember Galileo like it was sort of not that long ago. I suppose really to, to uh, have seen it live in 2001 or uh, to have followed the events of 2001, you've got to be sort of 35, 40 plus now. So I think this is 
significant for uh, a, a younger uh, breed of, uh, of racing enthusiast in the 70s, the 80s and the 90s. There were quite a lot of horses who did uh, this, this iconic double, winning the Derby at Epsom and then going on and beating the older horses in the King George. But it hasn't happened for 20 years. Uh, and uh, there have been lots of uh, decent Derby winners and lots of decent King Georges uh, between then and now. Uh, but but the fact is, they haven't come together in this way uh, for quite a long time. So I thought that was a, a really significant part uh, of the whole thing. Because, you know, to have those sort of um, standout horses for people to latch onto, whether it's on the flat with uh, now Adiar uh, and some of those names from the past, whether it's over jumps with Red Rum, that's why... Uh, it was um, it was so good that Tiger Roll at one point was going for a third Grand National. They were, he wasn't going to be better than Red Rum, but you've got a, a new iconic type of figure to to latch onto. So I thought significant from that point of view, and just you know the performance, terrific authority, great burst to to win a good quality King George in a in a very good time. Mister Riff beaten one and three quarter lengths. I'm sure he's going to do. Uh, more in the future. Love, there'll be a debate about uh, her performance beaten three and a half lengths. Uh, the, the winner defined the good to firm ground uh, and continuing this this sparkling year for, for Godolphin, for Charlie Appleby and for, for William Buick. And at the end of it, not only was William Buick apparently screaming with delight as he went past the post, to me the, the horse was screaming, A, that Epsom obviously wasn't a fluke uh, and that if people weren't sure about how brilliant a performance it was well they were silenced and he was also screaming more to come uh, and it looks like the the pre de la de triomphe do you think that adar is even the best horse in charlie appleby's own yard that was the question posed by the racing post over the weekend Ch charlie is a, a great diplomat isn't he so he was talking about the fact that early in the year there were probably five that they were the five horses that they were thinking could well uh, go for the for the very biggest targets five five uh, three-year-olds and at that stage in the winter however much obviously they're they're talking up adi yeah now he wasn't number one two or three one suspects he was probably sort of nearer the bottom than the top but he's definitely climbing up now and to win a king george like that he's got to be considered at the top and uh, he has been considered as far as this year is concerned now in the the same breath in in terms of um european racing as st mark's basilica uh you know that that type of standard um snowfall brilliant filly as well uh so yeah adi has got to be now at the top hasn't it and actually if you straightforward form if you if you're considering hurricane lane then you've got to consider the other three-year-old in saturday's race who was well beaten who who got form uh, which had got form with hurricane lane so that was the king george on saturday goodwood this week all traditional keystones of the flat race east season in great britain but as you heard last week Brand new concept begins on Thursday, and that is the Racing League. Starts at Newcastle, first of six weekly instalments. There was a bit of a knock for the Racing League yesterday from trainer Grant Chewer, who'd made the most of Skybet's new Super Sunday Big Money series, a competing initiative. And Chewer sort of said, well, the Racing League is exclusive. I can't get in, uh, whereas this I can I can run. And, and the Racing League's just open to the, to the big boys, the big names. I've been speaking to Jamie Osborne, who's got uh, horses in the racing league, and I, and I put that to him. Um, I, I understand that people feel that um, it is non-inclusive, but just to you know, point out the sort of series of events, everybody, to my knowledge, was contacted about the racing league. Um, 
it was because of COVID. It was some time ago, um, and really the teams have been made up of those that initially shouted the loudest. I mean, there are some quite large trainers who immediately dissed the idea as for whatever reason, I don't know why they did, um, who expressed their desire not to be involved. Uh, personally, I don't understand why, uh, and I think maybe they did a disservice to their owners by not offering them the chance to be involved. So, you know, obviously this has stemmed from Grant Tewer yesterday speaking very well about his annoyance of not being able to be involved. You know, he's probably, you know, a victim of the fact that he didn't stick his head over the parapet um, when everybody was contacted, admittedly, some time ago. So could you think every trainer, no matter what size their string, could have been involved in some shape or form? Or is it by its very nature exclusive? Um, well, initially, Racing League... Um, put a criteria in place that it had to be five horses minimum but then that was scrapped I actually only have three horses in our squad of 30 um, and you know there were some of my clients I had to sort of say I'm sorry but you know you haven't your horse hasn't made the cut because the team hasn't has determined that it's not well handicapped enough um, so however the criteria is set there are going to be winners and losers um, you know, by the nature of the thing, there are 360 horses eligible, and it has to be that way. You can't have a team event where you don't name teams. Um, so I think that going forward, I'm pretty sure that the the racing league team can tweak the criteria to make it more inclusive going forward. And it is inevitable that in the first year that people are good you know there's going to be some changes you know what is hoped is that you know we need to just not forget that this is 1.8 million pounds of prize money introduced to the prize money pot from outside sources that wouldn't be there if this event wasn't taking place um racing league do not want to um unnecessarily exclude anyone but, you know, if you've got horses qualified uh, within the rating criteria, I'm sure next year they will make an effort to 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 address this issue. Do you think that money for the Racing League and money for the Skybet Super Sunday series for horses that are of just reasonable ability, do you think that will beget a clamour for, well, hang on a minute, let's get this sort of money for horses of a, a slightly better calibre, otherwise all the good ones are actually going to disappear? Well, Nick, I don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, what it does do is it exposes how poor the prize money is at, at all levels of this sport. And it exposes the fact that the horses that sort of are outside of this criteria, rated above 90, actually do not run for an amount of money that is sort of reflects their ability. Um, you know, racing has, a, has left itself open to this sort of um, event um, by by not finding a way to fund better prize money for better horses. Jamie Osborne there, responding to Grant Chur's criticism of the Racing League uh, when interviewed by Tom Stanley sometime of this podcast uh, yesterday on Racing TV. Cornelius, what do you make of that? 
Yeah, so uh, I declare an interest immediately as, in inverted commas, team manager of the Thoroughbid team, Andrew Balding, Richard Hannon, Sean Levy, Oshi Murphy and Hayley Turner. Uh, they're the, the team. Um, Grant, uh, Grant's characterization of the Racing League as, I think he used the expression, an old boys club, the most exclusive thing I've ever seen. I, I'm not sure it's in, entirely fair. Uh, what he says. Um, he said that he, he couldn't run in the racing league. Well, I'm not sure that's entirely correct either. Organisers say, and I know this is disputed by some, they say that they wrote to all trainers uh, about all of this. And although you do have your Baldings, your Hannans, your Gosdens, your Richard Fahis, etc. involved, uh, you also have your Amanda Perrits, your Paul Midgley's, your James Ferguson's, uh, Jockey Wise, Cam Hardy, George Bass, Thor, Hammer Hansen, all involved as well. So it's, it's not just the very high-profile people. Um, it's not perfect, uh, but it's, it's a new and potentially really interesting uh, concept with lots of money uh, coming into racing. And hopefully it'll be around for a few years. So, you know, nothing is entirely perfect at the start of things. There, it'll be moulded. It will morph uh, into the future. Uh, and um, yeah, hopefully Grant and, and others will get involved as well. But there, there is a bit of a bandwagon going uh, against the racing league, which is uh, well it started with just a, a, an obstinacy in racing against new concepts. I think that that's probably a fair thing to say. Uh, that bandwagon is going. Uh, Grant has uh, definitely Grant Hewitt has definitely um, uh, become another major element of uh, of the of the scepticism about the racing league. And I was, I, was a bit, I was a bit sorry to see him on television looking so angry, actually, because he's had a really good year, Grant. You know, I think he'd had his 30th winner of the, of the uh, season at, uh, at Musselburgh yesterday. It'll go to 31 almost certainly at air today. Um, and um, he was very annoyed, clearly. Uh, and he does see a lot of flaws in all this. But hopefully uh, he will, and everyone else will give it a chance, It'll uh, be a, uh, an interesting new concept from Thursday for the next six weeks. And then if it wasn't absolutely perfect when it all started, uh, then um, uh, it, it will mould and morph in the future. I mean, similar, similar comments have been applied by, by those responsible for the Skybet Super Sunday series uh, after yesterday's uh, opener, saying, well, you know, we think we've got quite a bit of this right, but not everything right. And it's a work in progress, as these, as these new initiatives often are. And... You know, the, the, the ideas, certainly for the Racing League, and I suspect for um, the Skybet Super Sunday, have been, have been going around for, in people's heads for some time. But because of the pandemic, everything was held up, etc. But, you know, I, let's, let's not be completely sceptical about something which uh, I acknowledge probably isn't entirely perfect, which is new, is a bit different. Give it a tiny bit of a chance. And uh, as I say, for the future, uh, it uh, should be even better in terms, though, Nick, of the uh, Super Sunday uh, for which ITV pushed out the boat, uh, which was uh, was impressive. Uh, I, I think it was uh, extra. It was enjoyable anyway, but it was extra enjoyable that the first winner of uh, uh, on this uh, series uh, was uh, a two year old called Edward Cornelius. Cornelius joining uh, the very small stable of Cornelius's uh, involved in racing. And it looks as though John Kelly and John McNeil and Keith Dalgleish, owners and trainer of Edward Cornelius, uh, which won in great style under Callum Rodriguez, have got a really nice horse uh, with which to be involved uh, in the future. And there was me thinking you were about to say something really insightful about the Super Sunday series. 
Well, I, I will say one thing um, <laughs> ab 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 about broadcasting racing. Uh, and I've been guilty of this in the past. Um, I, I think I was reminded, you know, there was lots of little new things uh, from, from ITV on, on their coverage from us, which were excellent. But I think I was reminded, and, and others have reminded me in the past when I was at the BBC, when you're, you're talking to a big uh, audience that isn't all a racing audience, that we shouldn't underestimate our audience uh, in mainstream broadcast media. Racing can be complicated, but... You know, let's be honest, so can the Olympics, taekwondo, um, even cycling, even some of the equestrian events that you're covering at the Olympics. You know, television, whether it's quiz shows or TV dramas, can be challenging. You have to watch to keep up. And I think sometimes, sometimes we're not as confident about the product, the racing product and, and the audience as maybe we, we should be. So uh, although we, we, we want to make it as simple as possible, it's important not to go down the simplistic route as well. And still the fallout from that Panorama programme last week rolls on uh, with the news that Simon Manier and Isaac Swed, the owners of Vita du Rock, one of the horses featured in the programme, had removed their remaining horses from Gordon Elliott's stable in Ireland. What do you make of this, Cornelius? I'm not sure it's the, the, the biggest surprise. There was bound to be further fallout. Um, the, the owners were quoted by the programme as saying, I think they were furious, was it, or very angry uh, about the um, situation. Uh, I don't think we're talking about a vast number of horses leaving the stable, but probably more relevantly, they would have reinvested in the in the in the future. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's another fallout from a program which sent shockwaves uh, around the place, and I suppose it, it's not a massively surprising fallout, um, but um, you know it is another blow to the to the uh, to the to the standing of Gordon Elliott. Uh, who remains suspended at the moment, but returning in uh, in the early autumn, um, and um, yeah, you know, it, it it just it just shows how the 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 waves from an event like Panorama uh, can be absolutely massive. Uh, equally, though, on the positive side of uh, from from that program and other Panorama programs in the past, and I think this point has been made on the podcast and elsewhere, is that um, you know there are some positives that the authorities on both sides of the RSC are really addressing this particular issue in the same way as Panorama programs in the past, which examined betting exchanges, dash corruption, dash the, the then regulator, the jockey club, they led to better things. So hopefully there is a positive to come out of all this, but at the moment uh, it's, it's negative headlines. Yeah, I mean, I, saw, I said on this show last week that I, I think that they had, they had given the horse to somebody who worked part-time for the yard in good faith and then had no idea as to the subsequent chain of events. It's all well and good to say, well, they're throwing Gordon Elliott under the bus. They should have known what was happening. But if you, if you give a horse away in good faith to someone that the trainer has recommended, then I think you can reasonably expect that horse to be then looked after responsibly. Well, that's obviously the, the line they've taken. But, you know, the Horse Welfare Board is is emphasising, and I think the authorities are accepting this, aren't they, that, that racing needs to be better at just monitoring these horses. And it's been striking hearing Kim Bailey, for example, talking about a horse that he'd rehomed that, um, the, the, uh, that he checks up 
on those horses on a regular basis. Nick Alexander, uh, another trainer who actually had a horse back uh, to his yard because the the person to to whom it had been rehomed uh, wasn't able to continue doing uh, a good job with it and, and acknowledged that. So the horse came back. So, yeah, th- th- there is a responsibility with everybody. Uh, but um, in, in this case, Simon Manier and Isaac Swade have, have taken the, the the strong view uh, that they have they have taken and that um, that we now know about. All right, Cornelius, thank you. Thanks to all my guests today as well. Jamie Osborne, Ed Arkell and Richard Hannon at the beginning of the programme confirming Snow Lantern will go for the Sussex Stakes. Uh, Cornelius, you've just got to give me a tip. I'm going to take you to the west of Scotland, to Ayr, and it just shows how varied the, the weather is around these islands at the moment. It's good to firm at, uh, at Ayr uh, at the moment. The QTS training handicap at 320. Uh, the jockey Connor Beasley's in cr- cracking good form at the moment. He teams up with David Barron for a couple of interesting mounts. Normally, when I say on your pod, I'm really looking forward to seeing David Barron and Connor Beasley with a number of runners today and pick one out. I always pick the wrong one, uh, but I'm going to go for number five, Homer Stokes, uh, which has uh, which was won well on its debut in the 320 at air. Cornelius, thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be posting this podcast a little earlier tomorrow, bright and early, to make sure you've got plenty of time to listen ahead of all the afternoon's action at Glorious Goodwood. But for the moment, thanks for listening. That was Monday, July the 26th. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary. Mm-hmm.